Hey there, Knicks fans. How the hell are you on this? Uh, we're recording this on a Super Bowl Sunday morning. Uh, it's also, uh, I was going to say, it's also a big day for the Knicks as they're they're um, entering into the post-KP era. But I guess they kind of entered that into that era um, about a year ago now, um, that I think of it. Um, anyway... Obviously, when your franchise trades uh, the best young player it has had since uh, Patrick Ewing, it's going to be a story that reverberates, and there's still shockwaves coming in the forms of of little little Instagram posts and this and that. Um, What I wanted to do this morning is to kind of go through it more from, like, Strictly, uh, all right. Let's put ourselves in a in an NBA front office and kind of go through this and and see really if there were any missteps, what those missteps were. Um, and I couldn't think of anyone better to join us this morning than Spencer Proman. Um, he has been with us. Uh, Spencer, when did you come aboard? Next film school. What was it? The summer or after that? Uh, I mean, I was talking with JB when he actually said that he was going to start it, but I couldn't commit yes. to anything because of, you know, stuff. <laughs> well, no, actually, so let, let me, in, in by way of introducing you, um, I know, so Spencer has obviously been on a couple times to talk about prospects, um, and since those podcasts, he's actually become a member of the Stepian, which is the preeminent um, scouting website out there. Um, but in addition to that, he's interviewed with, uh, without getting into specifics, uh, several NBA teams for front office positions. He was with the Tulsa Shock of the WNBA for a period of time um, before he got sick of Tulsa, I guess. I'm, I'm assuming that's what it was. Yeah, and then, you know, I, I told myself I was going to law school and I had to study, so I kind of had to actually sit down and study. <laughs> it took some time to do that. Yeah, no, that's a valid reason. So, it, it, suffice it to say, um, you have, as you've had to like prepare, you know, materials and go on interviews with teams and whatnot. And, and again, I can't really get into specifics, but you've made it pretty far along in those processes. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you're not with us for very much longer. And I'll just leave it at that. You have some credibility here. So I guess I'll start with this. When you first, without the details trickling in when you first caught wind of what the actual actually no i'm not even going to go to the trade when you first uh saw the report from woge what was your impression at that point that the meeting had happened um i mean i guess i was a little bit surprised but oh yeah let's just say i was very surprised just because everything that perry and mills had been saying it was leading me to believe that they were willing to take the slower approach and they wanted to actually build up assets and not rush into anything. So when I saw the report that KP was unhappy with the with, with what was going on, I was like, all right, well, this probably isn't good. And then I took another half second and I thought about it, wait, how can he be possibly pissed off about what's going on considering, A, he's not playing, B, the team is simply bad and I don't care who the coach is. This team is not winning many games. Well, maybe Popovich. Um, Popovich probably gets him to about 18 wins so far. Maybe 20. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was 
it was interesting, I guess, seeing the report because it, it came out of nowhere, really. Yeah, no, no, there were no. I think that's what that's partially a lot of people's reactions were from the fact that this was really out of the blue. So then, um, I guess, real time, there was maybe forty-five minutes have passed. Forty, I may be even overstating it. And then, a report of the trade came down. Um, so, what was your initial initial reaction of the trade? I think the first thing I did was I actually started laughing. <laughs> I, I just didn't know how to actually process it. Um, it didn't make any sense that the Knicks actually traded him. Uh, Which, by the way, was the reaction of your new colleague, uh, Cole Zwicker. On the, he was, for anybody who doesn't know, he was recording um, with Sam Vecini as all this was going down. And the report came on came out when they when they were recording the podcast and it's it's actually pretty priceless anyway go on yeah i was yeah cole and i actually see eye to eye in a bunch of stuff um but yeah i was i was pretty i guess delirious maybe just kind of like what are what are you doing like yeah. this is not taking the slow approach this is 2010 all over again mm-hmm. um and then as more and more details came out you know they're trading hardaway and courtney lee I was like, okay, they're clearing up cap space. They're getting back Dennis Smith Jr. Okay, this kind of makes sense because Dennis Smith Jr. was apparently Mills' guy. Um, By the way, because I, I don't know if we're going to have time to get into Smith. What? Two questions quickly on him. Um, I know I'm bouncing around here. What was your impression of him coming into the draft, and how much has your impression of him changed since he's uh, become an NBA player? It's actually funny. I had him... And Frank on the same tier. Huh, interesting. Like they were right next to each other, but I had Frank with the much higher upside just because of his size and his defense, and I really liked what I saw on uh, on on offense actually in the FIBA tournaments. Um, but I thought he couldn't really be an engine, whereas I did think Dennis Smith Jr. could be an engine. He just had to work on. I mean, his shot, his leadership ability was essentially non-existent at North Carolina State. Um, and I guess really just being part of a team and not just for himself. Yeah, no, and I I remember hearing a lot of those same things, and that was my concern as well. I was like, oh, thank God we didn't take this guy. Um, he is every terrible New York um, like point guard that like a base guy looked at him, and I was like, oh, it's Stefan Marbury. That's great, except like a worse a worse version. <laughs> and now he's ours. So the yeah. second part of the question is: ha- Has anything that he's done since coming into the league changed your initial impression of him um, drastically? Um, not entirely sure. I think I mean his athleticism is every bit as good as everyone thought it was going to be. Um, his shot is every bit as questionable. His defense last year wasn't as bad as it was at NC State, and I actually think he took a not like a huge leap, but a nice leap this year to where he's actually competing. Um, you'll see possessions where he just like shuts down a guy for 24 seconds, and I mean it's really impressive. He absolutely has the ability to be a lockdown defender. It just does he want to be? Okay. And then the off-ball stuff, and then the stuff with Luca was a little bit off-putting and how he they didn't really coexist because it shows I mean it goes back to him being a very ball dominant point guard and I don't want ball dominant point guards on as as my point guard um mm-hmm. unless if I guess you really have to have that type of player but I don't think the Knicks needed him I don't think it's really a way to win and yeah I mean I was okay with getting him back at least in a trial um and then it's funny. I actually didn't realize that Trey Burke was in the trade until about seven o'clock. 
Trey Burke has, has kind of become the forgotten man, hasn't he? Um, no, let's pour one out for Trey. He had a he had a nice stretch last year. Yeah, no, I mean, just quickly on Smith, I to me it's like the worst thing, and I, I don't know how you feel about this. The worst thing an NBA team could have is um, a person oh. who needs the ball that's not efficient with the ball. Yep. Uh, I could. <laughs> yeah. No, and I just I guess um, you know as this is not an objective opinion uh, because I have been drinking the fizz Kool-Aid all year, but it, it would seem that maybe if there's a coach that could um, tap into the better qualities of Smith, maybe it's fizz, but who knows? Yeah. And I actually don't think the fit with Carlisle was that great. Just because Car- like I love Carlisle as a coach. I think he's one of the top oh, he's, coaches. He's, a, but... he's one of the four coaches that matters for in the yeah. positive. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, he's very demanding of his point guards, which is why he would always go back to JJ Barea and Devin Harris and guys like that. Just because those guys would just do everything he wanted, and Dennis Smith Jr. I think likes a little bit more freedom, which mm-hmm. goes back to what you say and how maybe Fizz can actually help pull a little bit more out of him, and I actually agree with that. But at the same time, I don't want him taking twenty shots, you know, eight for twenty, twenty-one points, seven assists, like five turners. I don't want that. I actually want him to be pulled if he does something badly, and then if he does something good, just give him more free reign. Like I actually want him to be coached. I'm. I'm going to put you on the spot, and I, if you can't come up with something, that's fine, because I don't know that there's an answer. It, has there been a point guard with this, like, it, clearly this is, he has a type of mentality, um, I want the rock, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Has there been a point guard that has come into the league with that and has adjusted to the point where they're able to share it more and still be effective in some way? And I'm... And I know that ties into a lot about whether the person could play off ball and has effective an effective enough shot, which thus far Smith Jr. has not really shown. Um, I don't know that I could. There's nobody that top comes into my head right off the bat. I mean, I guess maybe a couple players. So I do think Westbrook has taken a step forward in his willingness to share the ball That's this year. Very fair. Yeah, it only took what, what is he nine, ten years? Yeah, it yeah. took a while. Um, and then. I mean, Wall is interesting. I don't think he likes playing without the ball. I think he's best with the ball, but when his shot's falling, he's okay. Yeah. But it's really just Westbrook, I guess. Yeah. No, I th- no, I, I I agree with you. I think it'll the the odds are you know are are not great. Well, we'll see if his shot improves. So all right, let's go back to um, the day of. So you got you got wind of the trade. You figured out what the pieces were, but at that point, you still didn't know what the the did you know about the pick part of it, the first-round picks? I mean, those kept coming in. First, it was one first-round pick, I think Sham said. Um, uh, sorry, Shams, Shams, Shams. Um, and then <laughs> Multiple I Shams. Yeah, I met him. He's very, very nice. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, but first, it was the one pick, and I'm like, all right, this is okay. And then it was, what, the one, the second pick, but nobody knew how it was going to play out. And now, uh, do people actually know, like... It's 2021, but it has to be two years removed because they can't trade. They can't trade. Oh, wait, yes, they can. So my my understanding is that well, because if the pick if the pick to Atlanta ends up in the top five this year, it go it becomes unprotected next season. Oh, that's the part I didn't know. That's my that is my understanding. So then this, um, but then oh wait a minute, no, I don't want to give bad information because then I remember seeing something like. No, no, it is it, that is the case. So the first unprotected pick could technically carry over until twenty. Uh, I'm losing track of years. Twenty twenty two. 
Yeah, okay. because next year is 2020. And then the top 10 protected would then carry over to 24. Cool. And there's the seven years out rule. So for anybody who doesn't know, you can't trade a first round pick. Um, it's the most it can be is seven years out, which is why like the reports on the the when the Rockets were t- in trade talks for Jimmy Butler and everybody was saying four first round picks. It was like, well, are they all unprotected? Because if, if not, then how do you do that? And because you can't trade in consecutive years. But anyway, so then, yeah, it'll go. And then I, the top 10 would then carry over to one more year. So, yeah, I think that's where we're at. Um, I mean, basically, as more and more information came out, I started to like it a little bit more and more because I'm someone who loves having um, – I love cap space and I love draft picks because those are unbelievably valuable. Um, like having a cost control players, if your scouts actually do their job, those can be the the most valuable asset you can have, period, even if it's like a you know a 25th overall pick. Yeah. Um, no, and, and I – I completely agree with that. I, I mean, look, we have <laughs> – so part of the interesting conversation here is we don't – do we really know who's making draft decisions for the Knicks at this point? Um, no. I mean <laughs> – I mean, part of the confusion I feel like with Scott Perry is he was associated with some front offices that made – I don't want to use – no, I'm not – I was going to – the first word that came to my head was overly was, harsh. Yeah, but that one he apparently wanted mellow. Which like, which one? Is. The, when he was with Detroit, he wanted – Oh, I wasn't even going there. I was going to uh, Orlando more than anything else. Okay. Um, which, again – but but the reason I, I was originally going to use like a very harsh word for some of those Orlando picks, but going back, I don't – that's a situation where I don't know if it was as much the pick itself or the situation that some of those guys were placed into. I, I don't want to get too sidetracked on a Scott Perry conversation, but if we're going just by last year, I think we'd have to say at this point, you know, they they a clearly have a type that they draft for, and yep. b they you know they seem to be you know one year in doing an okay job. Um, so yeah, draft picks great, cap space great. Um. Has has your opinion on the trade stayed pretty much the same since then, or has it adjusted any more in the last several days? Um, I mean, it stayed, I guess, pretty much the same. Like, they have isn't it going to be up to eighty million dollars once they waive Lance Thomas's uh, contract? I so um, funny you should ask. On uh, nicksfilmschool.com, we have JB was kind enough to put a, an updated table for us. So this is actually probably a good thing to go through really quickly. Um, so assuming that next year, um, the, you know, all cap holds are renounced, Lance Thomas is waived and then you get the $1 million guarantee and they still have, um, uh, do, 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 Frank Nilakina, Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox, and, and Mitchell Robinson, and they got the first pick, um, the... They'll have just under for KD and Kyrie. They would have literally. They would be six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars short uh, when you factor in the minimum roster charges. Now, that number is also assuming they um, don't. They let go of Alonzo Trier and they they don't bring him back next year because that year is not guaranteed. Um, no, uh, Damian Dotson gone. And am I forgetting someone? No, it's just it's Dotson would be gone, which is feeds into the what's that that would be sad i'd actually be really upset if they let him go i if they 
are like, is there any world where bringing him back on that salary doesn't make sense? Like, what? I don't care who you bring on this team next year. Doesn't Damian Dotson? He's isn't he a guy who could you could throw in for fifteen minutes and just be like happy with? Honestly, if the Knicks get KD and Kyrie, I'm starting him. I, I t- completely, 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 completely. Now, granted, his shot has been more erratic over the second half of this season, but I. I'm still so high on him as a player. Also, considering, like, if you put KD and Kyrie on the team, the amount of extra room that he's going to get. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's absurd. So, but actually, it's funny you say that because I don't think they're going to get rid of Damian Dotson either. And I think this all feeds into the the fact that there is still a very real possibility that Frank Nilakina is either not on this team past Thursday or... They they deal him for you know I guess a future pick or something um, early in the off season um, because if his money is no longer on the books then they can keep Dotson and they would have enough room for both guys um, yeah. and I'm not and they actually I need I need to look at what how much more Dotson's salary next year is than the minimum cap charge but I'm not they may be able to keep Trier. Um, I'm not sure about that. But anyway, and it's also the other, just before we move on, the other complicating factor on this is this assumes that they get the first pick. And obviously the the money on the those top picks drops, pretty, at least for draft picks, drops pretty precipitously once you go from like two to three to four to five. Um, so, yeah, they're going to have enough for, for both guys if they need it. Um, ha- sitting here trying to objectively, like, analyze this trade how much does that really factor in for you the kd and Kyrie part yeah kd and Kyrie. yeah yeah so Kyrie. i mean i think it might happen i honestly don't know kd i've been told by two people that is going to happen really like, yeah uh, like they had one of them from the golden state side and then the other person is from the new york side he did neither of those guys work with teams but they I mean, one guy told me something that would end up being true in the past, and then the other guy is just someone who I, I trust. Um, so I guess there's no reason for anyone to believe me or them when I say that, but I do think that KD to New York is actually going to happen. Um, I wouldn't put money on it because I don't gamble, but <laughs> think, thinking about just the amount of space that they have, it's nice. And then even if they don't get either of those guys, you can still take on bad contracts for a year, take on more draft picks, and then you'll have even more assets. And if you want to, you could always swing a trade. You could use, you know, the six first-round picks they're going to have in, what, the next three, four years, four years, five years, whatever it is. Yeah. You can use all those picks. You can use some of the young guys if you want. Um, the key is flexibility. Like, like, if I were a GM, I would obviously go for Kevin Durant. But if I don't get him, I'm not giving max money to Tobias Harris or so let's I'm going to cut you off right there because this is the question I wanted to ask you probably more than any other if Kevin Durant says yes and he is the first domino obviously if Kyrie comes at that point you you roll out the red carpet where is the cutoff for you and I actually, I'm going to make this extra complicated. Well, no, it's actually not that complicated. Well, two-part question, all right? Here's how we're going to do this. If KD says, I'm coming, and, well, actually, no. Would he say this? I was going to say, if Kyrie doesn't come, all right? If they can't get Kyrie, the KD's already committed. 
And he's like, look, go spend this money. Um, I don't care who you spend it on. Spend it on Tobias Harris. Spend it on um, you know Kemba Walker. Spend it on you know Chris Middleton. Spend it on whoever. With that, like that doesn't change. If if that's like his condition for signing, like bring whoever the next best guy is that you can get. Like you'd still sign him in that case, right? Yeah. Okay. I would. I yeah. me too. Second question. Let's say he doesn't say that. And he leaves it up to the front office, like, look, I'm here, I want to be in New York, I want to be a Nick, I want to do my best to bring this team a championship. Um, and Irving says, no, where is your cutoff for who you're not spending that money on? Uh, I mean... Kawhi's obvious, but we're assuming he's not in play. Yeah, so I wouldn't go after... I mean, I would love Kawhi, but... It- Okay, we're going to assume he's on play. Uh, Butler, I love as a player. I don't think his personality would really mesh very well with Durant. Okay. Um, so I guess I'd push him off to the side. I don't really think there's a need for Tobias Harris when you have KD and then Knox, who I'm not even a huge fan of. But if Knox can become you know 60% of what Harris is, why do you need Harris when you can when you have Knox for it'll be what one sixth of the cost? Um, Damn, 60% throwing shade on the next film school podcast. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So no Harris. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see Middleton. I'd love to see Clay, but apparently Clay is staying in New York, in New York, in Golden State. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't think Middleton can end up leaving Giannis. So I'd probably just try to maybe get a couple of stop gaps, um, and okay. then just keep the cap space open for you know 2020, and just keep flexible. Like, there's no reason to spend it all on. Uh, like Nikola Mirotic or Brogdon, who I like, you know, Lamb, you're not spending money on those guys. Sure. And this Cantor for the full max, it's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> um, um, you didn't mention Kemba. Um, and yeah. Like, so why would you go after Kemba if you have Dennis Smith Jr.? I, and I know Kemba is significantly better, and there's zero chance. No, that, you, you don't got to sell me on that. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I just. I don't know how he's going to age. He's 29. It'll be a four-year deal. He'll be either 33 or 34 when the deal is over, and they'll be paying him a lot of money. And that's not keeping flexible. That's you know burrowing yourself in a hole and closing the top. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's well put. Um, I'm just looking at uh, our compatriot JB just sent out a tweet. Porzingis was upset. Phil Jackson fired Longstaff. Mishandled Mello and put KP into trade talks. Phil was fired. Uh, he must be responding to someone. I love the real time, the real timeness of all of this going on. It's like there's different stuff coming out every hour. It's like I, I go to bed. My my kid is sick. I uh, was throwing up all night. I I get up at like three thirty in the morning. My my wife is like she threw up again. I go in and uh, she's like uh, I don't want to make you more upset, but and then she shows me the KP tweet and then I was like you know what fuck him. All right. Anyway, or not tweet his uh, what, his Instagram. yeah. I don't I don't use Instagram, so Instagram story is like kind of a foreign concept to me. Are you on Instagram? I am. Good I don't. You. I mean, I don't really post anything, but I'm on there. No, I think I'm on too because I think JB before the season was like, "You got to get an Instagram account," and I'm like, "Okay," and that's the end Perfect. of that. Um, okay, I have a couple more specific questions, and um, then we'll touch on one quick draft thing, and then I'll let you go. Um, let's say in a hypothetical scenario, um, Kristaps was 
I don't want to make it too far fetched because I'm not going to be like he was enamored with the organization. He was he was you know it was all gumdrops and and candy canes and whatnot. Let's just say it was like like he didn't he wasn't he didn't hate them. He didn't love them. It was just like he was there. You assume if you give him the five year max, he's going to take the five year max in the summer, or and and he might even be open to taking a contract with some injury protections, like let's say the Embiid deal as a comp. Um, and you, as a front office, maybe have a suspicion that at some point he might ruffle feathers and ask for a trade, but for the most part, you feel like no, I I think he's, you know, he's probably going to work out well. Um, do you still make this trade? At that point, uh, assuming I mean, I, you don't know, assuming Scott Perry and Steve Mills don't have it written in blood from Kevin Durant that that he's he's coming here, right? I mean, I would probably keep him just because like we've seen what KP can do when he's healthy, or I guess for the first month and a half of the season before he starts to get tired. Like he's he's pretty ridiculous on both ends. Like he's. I think he was statistically like the second best rim protector last year, or the best rim protector. Uh, there was a one statistic that had him as the best, and then uh, there was he was up there. He was really good. Yeah, um, I mean, you guess you'd have the injury concerns, and I personally would only take him back if the if he had the Embiid type, you know, with all those protections and which is basically like you can cut him after I think it's three years of the deal, and then get out from the last two. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Um, but, I mean, not knowing what was going to happen with KD, I would probably keep him. And then even if you had a suspicion that KD would come, I would still keep him just because you could always try to – I mean, I think Courtney Lee is someone who you could trade pretty easily. You'd probably have to give up you know, a couple of second-round picks. Um, but I think they could have done that. And then Hardaway obviously would have been harder, but I do think Hardaway would have fit in pretty well with KD, KP. With, yeah, with KD and KP as that third – fourth option type okay so yeah i guess i would have traded him sorry i would have kept him i would have kept him but yeah no i i i agree i agree um I, I, yeah i mean it's it, it but it, that obviously wasn't the case um the last one on kp that i want to ask you is because it's very clear at this point that his discontent was Nothing new, and listen, there's going to be a lot of reporting being put out there. The, the you know, KP himself, I wouldn't be surprised if whenever he has his introductory press conference in Dallas, um, gets up there and um, says something along the lines of, oh, I wanted to be a Nick for life, and, you know, I, I loved everything there, and um, I was blindsided. I, 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 could, I could literally see him saying anything, but... Assuming that I think anybody who says that there wasn't some discontent on his part, on um, you know, towards the organization is is kidding themselves. Given that we know that, and given that Scott Perry and Steve Mills knew that, um, heading into this season, would you have? And maybe they did, and we don't know it. But I'm assuming these trade talks just basically happened over the course of the last several weeks. Would you have tried to move him even earlier? Um, this season, and do you think it would have made a difference in terms of what they got? Uh, let's see. I guess I would have started listening to to trades, just because if you think there's something running amok, 
you would want to nip it in the bud before it ends up really like blowing up. Um, and I mean, you know, the earlier you, you put it out there, the more teams will get involved and you could have them start bidding against each other. Um, so I guess I would have started to put a few feelers out. Okay. But, but uh, the second question was... And uh, do you think it would have made a difference in terms of what they got, which I guess maybe is an unfair question because who the hell knows? Um, um, I mean, the only thing that I would have done differently and that could have possibly helped the return would have just been letting more teams know because didn't Woj say that only like eight teams knew or... Well, I think it was... Um, so oh. Woj had the report of the... Uh, I think it was four four teams listed and then none of those four were Dallas. And then also there was the report that they made the offer to new Orleans. So six have been reported. And then I think it was Perry who said they talked to eight or nine teams. I want to say, um, yeah, I mean, if, yeah. if getting rid of two thirds of the league, you're doing yourself a disservice. Even if you have your eye on Dennis Smith jr. And those picks, you could have used that to build up a better deal for someone else. Maybe you could have gotten out of Lance's contract. Um, so quick quick follow-up to that because this is something I've been wondering and I genuinely have no idea what the answer is. We always hear about how like, the more you talk, the more likely it is that stuff gets leaked and then it makes it that much harder to do a deal or sometimes you know the better deals go away. Is that actually true? Like... I, I know the more you talk, the more likely it is that stuff will get leaked. That that I think is is true to a certain extent. But should that be a factor in a consideration? Like, let's just say, for argument's sake, there was a team that the Knicks knew if they engaged in discussions with because of like the nature of how that team works and like the people within their front office. Like, it probably would have leaked. Mm-hmm. Is it even like? Like, is this a consideration that they should have made? Like, well, maybe we should talk to them, but it's it's not even really that great of an offer. And like, how do you how do you hand how would you handle all this stuff? I talk anyway. I mean, teams leak things on purpose, and agents leak things on purpose. So if you can, like, you know, if you were to say if, if it were to if news were to get out that the Mavericks offered this, like, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. the two first round picks, um, then the two expiring contracts, if that had gotten out. I don't think the Knicks would have been pissed off if another team heard that and they would have said, hey, look, we can actually one-up you and we could give you a third pick that's you know still protected, but we'll take on Lance. So I don't think things being leaked to the media is necessarily bad, except for maybe the player ends up getting pissed off a little bit more who's the one involved in the trade. Um but with something like this that supposedly happened within a few days, like Dirk said on the on the low post that he caught, like he knew that they had been talking for a few days before. It's something. If it if it's sort of coming together so quickly, I don't think a leak is going to hurt it. Basically, okay. Um, and sorry, one last follow up on this. We we heard in the reporting, and this is I don't, again not something you kind of have an answer to, but I just want to kind of get your opinion on it. The reporting said that. New Orleans had significant fears that um, KP would uh, re-up there um, past this the end of this season. Um, and that's, I guess, factored into why they didn't make the uh, Davis trade with the Knicks. It, or, do you get the sense, or does it make sense to you that Porzingis', I guess his brother, like, let it be known to anybody willing to listen that he, his his brother was planning on signing the qualifying offer do you think it was like 
told to certain teams in which case kp would have known that the trade was talks were were happening like how do you how do you see that all having shaken out because that's that's the part that i'm still trying to put together for myself yeah i think janice probably leaked it so you think he knew that they were having trade discussions before the meeting on uh whatever it was on thursday i don't know if he necessarily knew about it but i i mean isn't kp janice's only client yeah yeah so i wouldn't think that it was him having you know sources and you know other clients telling him things um but i do think he told an agent and maybe the agent not the agent that he told like a reporter and then the reporter told the other team because these people talk like a lot okay and use information as um as a bargaining chip so i do think janice ended up saying something about how he wouldn't re-up with so-and-so and i mean is it right? No. But at the same time, if you're any team that's trading for a player coming off a torn ACL, do you really think that player's not going to sign a full max deal if you offer it? <laughs> I mean, th- that's, I would absolutely call that bluff. If I really, really wanted that player, I would call the bluff. And then, I mean, if, if he left, okay. Um, but he would be risking a lot of money in doing so. Well, I I don't think we're going to find out because I absolutely expect him to sign the the whatever you know they yeah. work out with Dallas because it's a you know it's clearly an organization that he wants to be now. I would have been curious though if he had gotten traded to a New Orleans or like a Sacramento um, or hell if the Knicks didn't trade him and he stayed here. I would have been very very curious because. Sorry. No, no, no. I just Giannis seems to me like it's not 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 uh, the, the what's the phrase? The light bulb isn't isn't on there sometimes. But anyway, yeah. Um, going back to Sacramento, I actually read something saying that Sacramento was willing to offer Bagley. So that's I put out a piece before on the site, and I mentioned I went through like possible alternative trades, and I. I said my assumption would be that they would have balked at offering Bagley and multiple future picks. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they would have offered Bagley. I think so, too. I don't know about Bagley and picks, though, especially if like, well, and then but then what, you know, it's like what's more valuable a Dallas unprotected and a top 10 protected from Dallas or like one Sacramento pick that's maybe like top 10 protected, then top five protected, then unprotected. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Um, It's weighing everything. Yeah, no, no, no. We've talked about this for a while. Um, I, before I let you go, um, we've had you on twice before to talk about college prospects. Um, and we've talked about one particular topic both times, which is the the distance, whether it be chasm or ocean or um, galaxy between Zion Williamson and um, everybody else. And both times, so for, the first time you said there was a, a gap, a huge gap. And then the second time you said the gap got bigger. And that was about a month ago. Um, where are you at right now with Zion versus everybody else? Zion is the only player who I'd have in tier one from last year's draft. And all of tier two would probably be tier three at best from last year's draft okay so who did you have in tier one from last year's draft uh last year i had luca uh jared and jaron okay and it looks like they're going to be the two best well so far at least looks like they're going to be the two best players from this class so good job by you 
Um, and so you have Zion in that tier, and you, so and everybody else from this year, you would have had in last year's tier three, which started at like what number or like what player last year? Uh, hold on. Roughly, you don't have to give me exact. Yeah, um, it would have been in that Mikael Bridges range, like around eight. And honestly, like I loved Kevin Herter. I still love Kevin Herter. I could easily see myself. Oh shit! Um, it's okay. I could easily see myself. How do I uh, talking myself into taking Herter at two instead of RJ Barrett? <laughs> That's I love you because you have conviction. You didn't you like. It doesn't you you like I know you believe that and that's, yeah. that's awesome. I was watching a little bit of Herder last night in um, they played well they played the Suns last night right I was I had that game on for a bit. Um, he's good man. Herder's good. He's gonna be a guy. He, he's a he's a starter right in this league. Like he's a long time yeah. starter. I think he's gonna end up being like a third player on a very good team. But right now he's. I mean, I guess he's a third player depending on how you value John Collins. And I'm not that high on John Collins. Really. Going- yeah, because I have defensive questions, and he's he's at Bagley four and a half, four and a half, uh, stuck between the four and the five. And I mean, I'm not a huge fan of him, but like, would you want to pay him the full max? No, and he's gonna someone will. So yeah, that's it. That you know what? That's so, sorry, not to get too sidetracked. I feel like that storyline is something that we talk all about, or certain people talk a lot about how the system is broken. That what what we just talked about is the way that the system is most broken, which is those like players even like even below like you know John Wall level players like from like the fifteenth to twenty fifth best players in the league like John Collins, Tobias Harris like level players like in the way the system is currently set up, someone is going to pay these people twenty five million dollars a year or something close to it, yep. and it's you know it's if you're the team that drafts that person like I I don't know what you do to fix it, but yeah, you you get out ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, um, I don't think KP is in that class because if he if he stays healthy, I think we you know we could rest assured he's going to be damn good. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. Well, um, any before I let you go, any last lingering draft thought that you would um, f- think Knicks fans would find interesting? Anybody else in that top five that's made like a significant move of the last over the last few weeks or? Uh... Let me pull up actually my big board. <laughs> Which, by the way, I'll, while you're doing that, I'll give you a plug. So, not only does um, uh, the front office eye Spencer do great stuff for us, he's also on the Stepian. So, if you haven't already, go check out. He has a uh, it's a top 100, right? Uh, it's a top about 50 or so, but it's really only ranked like the top. 30, 34, it, it's split into tiers. And then after that, there's a giant list of uh, players who I either haven't seen enough or they'd be in that, you know, I think it was a seventh tier for me. Okay. So, yeah, go to the um, and check out his big board. It is so in-depth and it is so good. Um, and you're going to get a lot of good information, not only about guys who are on the next board, but, um, you know, maybe a little bit further down. So, um, yeah, top – where, where are you at with the top five now? So I'm a little bit lower on Culver, because uh, just because his shots kind of faded a bit over the last month or so. Um, and I guess that was kind of expected, given how hot he started to start the season. But I do think he's still firmly in that second tier. Um, I think Garland is still in that second tier. R.J. Barrett, 
by default, he's still on that second tier. Um, Morant is still in the third one, though. Like, I, I watched the game a couple days ago. and Who did it, he play in a couple days ago? Uh, I've, I, I haven't watched the John Morant game. And I don't know how long I've I've seen like not a lot of this kid play. Full full disclosure, I'm I'm not. Who was it? It was uh, Tennessee. Te- no, not Tennessee Tech. They played against Tennessee Tech yesterday, and he apparently had a decent stat line. But two days ago, it was against Jacksonville State, and that was very 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 bad. That was bad. Um, so he's still in that third tier, and I know Knicks fans don't like that, but I also don't think the Knicks are going to be drafting a point guard now if they have Frank and Dennis Smith Jr. But Jackson Hayes, Texas. He's fantastic, Jackson Hayes. Okay, like fantastic. Like we sh- is uh, he's going to start rising up boards significantly? Fantastic, or I mean, I think right now he's probably on most boards somewhere towards the end of the lottery. But I think by the time the draft actually comes, he'll be in that running for the like a top five pick. Like he is six eleven. He's got very good hands. He moves very well, and the way he like controls his body like in tight spaces, like he has ridiculous maneuverability. And I think for a big like. You know, being able to run the pick and roll, and if someone steps in front of you to cut to the side like Capella does, I think that's going to be huge. Um, and he's a very quick learner. Like in the beginning of the year, he was jumping at everything, trying to block the shot, and he's very long, so he probably thought he could get them. But he's starting to be a lot more selective, um, and I like that. Like the last game against Kansas, aside from the last eight minutes or so, where he was just bullied by Dedrick Lawson, he was playing very 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 well like he didn't jump for a pump fake uh just used his length he moved very well laterally um had a nice post-up move actually in the first half which is new uh or was it the second half might have been the second half i don't know i have a video <laughs> i i love i love I listening like... to your photographic memory in real time it's really spectacular um look spencer i could keep you here until uh kickoff of the game later but you have other shit to do um, I really, really thank you for coming on and, and giving us your thoughts on this because, um, like I said, to start the podcast, uh, you are going to be doing this for real at some point in the future. I would I uh, say one thing. Yeah, sure. So going back to the t- like, you know, the little bit we spoke about Perry, when sure. I, I actually spoke with him a year and a half ago ish, and the one thing he like talked about for a good, you know, five ten minutes was a having multiple. Um, Options, so having the A, B, C, D, E going all the way down to like Z, 10. Um, so it's being very comfortable and knowing that you don't only have that first option, but you have a bunch of other ones to choose from. In terms of what? Just roster building. Um, so I, so like, can you can you just expand ahead. on that a little bit? Yeah, so when the summer comes, I don't think he's just going to be zeroed in on signing the top guys. I do think he has other options, whether that is taking on that contracts or just signing one-year deals again. But I don't think the Knicks have to worry about him paying someone just to pay them, like the, the Tim Hardaway deal. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to do that. I think they actually have a bunch of options planned out right now. And that's not based on anything he specifically said, but it's him telling me that he has an A, B, C, D, and you have to plan ahead. That's the first thing. And then the second thing was he's very big on creating relationships. Um, he thinks that's the way to build a franchise and have that right like or surrounding the team. So KP's displeasure was probably part of the fact, or I mean, definitely was a factor, but he didn't feel like that was a good thing to have around, which is probably why he wanted to move him now, like right now, instead of waiting to see if they could fix it. Um, 
and you know bringing Fizz, who's someone that's apparently very very good with relationships, I think that kind of points to that also. Can I? Like, sorry. Yeah, I don't think there's a big reason to worry if anyone's a Nick fan about what's going to happen this summer. Uh, that's really the short way of putting it. Two things. One, if they struck out and were and actually went out and took on some one-year bad money for teams desperate to unload cap space just for this July in exchange for picks, that might be my happiest day as a Nick fan thus far because that would be the most forward-thinking thing yep. this organization has ever done. One. Two, and then I'm going to let you go, I promise. <laughs> Given what you just said, why is Innes Cantor still on the team? Unless they – unless they, I guess it, maybe it's – because here's – the reason I asked the question is because obviously he's feeding crap to the media day yeah. after day after day. Unless they feel like the guys on the roster look at him as just as much of a clown – as most of the fan base does, and they're like, he's not tainting anything by being here. We might as well see if we can get a trade for him right up until Thursday and then cut him. Is that – am I on point with that, or what do you think? I think so. I think they're actually trying to trade him. And well, we know that, yeah. Like, nobody wants him. and Shocking! I, <laughs> I don't think there's really a buyout market for him either because I think he knows that there won't be a market for him in the summer, so getting every penny probably matters to him. Um, which, I, look, I don't fault them. If you have money owed to you, why would you take a penny less? Yeah, no, of course. Um, but, yeah, I do think they're actively trying to trade him hard. And if they don't get one, I, I would be shocked if he was on the uh, the Knicks past the playoff cutoff date uh, for signing players to the team. I I would be shocked if he's on the Knicks past uh, – yeah, I, I was going to say Friday at, at noon, um, but that may be cutting a little, a little close. Um, give the guy time to clean out his locker. Um, actually, you know what? Fuck him. Throw it all in a garbage bag and just put it on the street. I don't care. All right. On that note, um, Spencer, thank you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Um, anything you want to plug or promote before I let you go? Uh, if anyone has ideas for new uh, articles I should write, tweet at me because I am having a master writer's block at the moment. Um, I yeah. would like you to write 3,000 words on the market for Innis Cantor's services this summer. I actually wrote a, a piece last year for my site on why Ennis Cantor is not as good as the stats suggest he is, and people ripped me for it. So I mean, maybe now's the time because he's kind of outside of New York fans' heart, heart uh, their collective hearts. Uh, but I, uh, please. maybe draft-related things, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So please, like I said, it is it is a pleasure and a privilege to have Spencer available to us uh, while we do. And uh, again, my, my theory is that that may not be for much longer. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, we'll enjoy him while we have him. So Spencer, thanks again. And thank you, everybody out there, for giving us a listen. Um, and yeah, we'll be back with uh, some post games this week. We've got a couple other good guests I know that we're trying to line up in the weeks to come. So stay tuned. Um, be well, have a good week, and uh, yeah, good deal.